we're so afraid of being, of not being perfect and of failing that we just tend to stay in our heads and try and figure it out in our heads before actually acting. But we actually have to get out there and do something and try it out because that's really the only way you're going to know if you like it or not. Hey guys, and welcome back to episode 34 of That's So Maven. On today's episode, we are going to be chatting about the quarter life crisis. And I feel like before we jump into the episode, I want to kind of give you a little bit of backstory around my quarter life crisis. So mine happened around 23, 24. I had graduated from school. I had moved to New York. I was working in psych. I thought it was everything that I wanted and nothing felt right. I was so unhappy in my life. I just felt like I was making all the wrong decisions and spent every single day trying to figure out what was the right decision. And it just felt like it was like this never ending pursuit of like nothingness because just nothing was working. And I'm fortunate in that I kind of took a risk and tried something totally new, totally out there for me, and that was starting The Healthy Maven, and it ended up completely changing the course of my life, which is so crazy to think about, and I can't believe it's been almost five years. So all I'm trying to say here is that before we jump into the episode, know that if you are experiencing a quarter-life crisis or have experienced a quarter-life crisis, that it's all going to be okay. We're actually going to get into some tips for navigating it with Callie, and I think they're super duper helpful. I can't believe I just said super duper. I don't know why. I've never said that before. But besides that, I think they're really helpful, but I just want to let you guys know that if you're feeling really anxious, like at one point I was on my way to work and I was on the subway and I had to get off the subway because I had to puke. Like that's how bad a place I was in. I really was just not liking the trajectory of my life and things ended up being okay. So I'm just saying this to the person who is out there that is listening that is going through kind of a really tough transition in their life and has no idea what direction to go into. It's going to be okay. And that doesn't mean that it's an excuse to kind of sit back and that everything is going to play out. I do think that like you control the reins of your life and it means that you need to make really hard decisions to figure out what direction you should be going in, but also know that there is no right or wrong direction. It's just the direction that you're in. And the only way to get out of the one that you're in is to go in a different one. And it might not be the right one, but you're never going to figure out the right one until you make a lot of wrong turns. So that's just my short piece of advice for anyone who's going through this because I remember what it felt like. And I just so wish that I'd had somebody reminding me that it's okay to go through a really tough time and that if you really take control of your life and and I mean that in the sense of like you are the one making the decisions. I don't think any of us really have control over life in general, but just are making empowering decisions that might make us feel uncomfortable that it will all work out as long as you keep moving forward. So I think we we definitely get into this a lot more in this episode with Callie. We actually recorded this episode twice because the first time, for some reason, the audio just didn't pick up. I only recorded 11 minutes of it. It was when Mercury was in retrograde. So 
technology just wasn't working for me that month. And it's all good because Callie was happy to come back on the show. And I'm so grateful for that because I loved recording the episode the first time. And I was really sad that you guys wouldn't be able to hear it. But she came back on the show and we re-recorded it. And I actually think the second episode turned out even better than the first episode. So sometimes a life works in mysterious ways. But I will stop talking about that and instead remind you for the billionth time that if you haven't left a review on iTunes of the show, I would love if you did that. So if you're enjoying the show, if you love this episode, definitely let me know on iTunes. It's super easy to leave a review. You can do it on your phone now. Either you know give it as many stars as you like, leave a comment there. It just helps us get more people onto the show so we can talk about more topics and things you might be struggling with and just get people with great advice sharing it with you guys. So would love if you did that. And if you haven't joined the THM tribe, it would be amazing if you did that too. It just allows us to keep talking about conversations that we're having on the show and things that we're dealing with in our lives, sharing happy moments, sharing the things that we're struggling with and realizing that we are so not alone in all of those things. So if you want to join, it's just facebook.com slash groups slash THM tribe. And I would love to see you there. So let's jump into the episode. Here's Callie. Hi, Callie. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so, so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you here again. So as I mentioned in the intro, we had some technical difficulties, Mercury (laughs) in retrograde, and just uh, things didn't work out for us. So we're re-recording this episode, but I'm actually happy that we're re-recording it because the first time we recorded, I didn't get all the questions from the tribe members in in time before we actually recorded. And so now I can include their questions. So if anyone dropped a question in the THM tribe, we'll be including it in this episode. So I feel like it worked out for the best. It totally did. I didn't even realize that. It was meant to be. It was meant to be. And you're being really kind and patient with me to re-record this again. So I have to thank you more than anything. No, I'm excited. I'm excited. I feel like it. Well, first of all, I totally agree with the Mercury and retrograde thing. We were talking about that earlier. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is my life. So when you said that and we're like, oh, we're going to re-record, I was like, yeah, that's about right. Okay. So it's not just me. Everybody. It's everybody. <laughs> it's everybody. That's that's what I'm convinced of. Other people think I'm like totally crazy, but I just find it comforting to be like, it's not me. It's the universe. Yep. It's the universe's fault. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So Before we continue, why don't you let the listeners know a bit more about who you are and sort of how how you got to where you are? Yes. Okay. So I'm Callie. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Um, I am the founder of Blush Online Life Coaching, which basically what we do is we provide, you guessed it, online life coaching to women across really the world. So my coaches all have their master's in counseling, as do I, and we, while we kind of offer counseling, it's definitely more of a hands-on collaborative coaching relationship where you come to us and you say, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm going through. This is what I want to talk about. And we really just tackle it head on. And the thing about life is that once the first thing is resolved, it's just like whack-a-mole, something else comes up. So then we focus on that. And then, of course, our veteran clients go through this deep self-exploratory exercise and get to know them through and through. So, of course, you know, we we love those veteran clients of ours. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I'm going to go down the traditional, you know, route of either private practice or agency work or what have you. 
And there were really a lot of things that came to a head around that time that steered me in the direction of putting essentially my private practice online, um, I guess maneuvering it around a little bit, making it a little different than what you would traditionally think of as counseling and basically getting some of my friends and really cool girls involved um, to also, you know, be coaches with me. So that's really all what, who I am, what I do, all of that. So, I mean, we have, we have a great time. It's fun. Yeah. So something that you're really passionate about and is a big part of your business is Talking about the quarter-life crisis, which as someone who definitely experienced a quarter-life crisis, I totally know what that means. So I would love if you could kind of expand on on why it's a topic you're passionate about and if maybe that was something that you experienced in your own life. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I definitely went through a pretty traumatic quarter-life crisis. I mean, mine lasted, I think, like three years. And, uh, you know, the average client on my site I would say probably has a six month to a year one. And so I tripled that. So I, I am very familiar with the quarter life crisis, which basically what it is, is it's feeling lost. It's feeling like you don't have a formula. It's feeling hopeless. It's feeling confused, all of those things. And you know, what makes quarter life crisis different than just feeling lost in one area is it's really across the board. You know, it's not like you're just feeling lost in your career, but you're feeling great in this other area of your life. It normally encompasses almost everything that you're going through because it's the first time in your life where you actually don't know what to do next. Um, I mean, it's, you know, we call it the quarter-life crisis, but really it spans anywhere between the ages, I would say, of like 20 to 30. Like just like your entire 20s, it can hit at any time. Some people have quarter-life crisis starting at 28. Um, some have them starting at 22. I think that what makes the quarter-life crisis pretty unique on Blush is that most of our clients are, are really high achievers. Um they haven't really failed too much in their life before this. They were on a roll. They knew how to get the A. They knew how to graduate. They knew how to get the job. And then some trigger introduced itself that just completely unhinged them and made them feel for the first time in their life like they weren't confident in where they were going next. And so that's really where blush steps in. Um, I, I mean, I had that. I would say mine probably started when – I got broken up with for the first time and it was just so awful and devastating. And I mean, it sounds dramatic, but like it really was terrible. And that point in my life really made me reconsider honestly everything I was doing. Cause I, I had this plan of how my life was going to unfold and he was such an intricate part of it. And once that was taken from me, I didn't know what to do next. And I really did spiral for a long time. I mean, I was supposed to go to law school. I was supposed I had all these plans in place and they just went up in flames whenever he was like, uh, just kidding. So that was really the start of mine. And like I said, like it, it took me quite a while, uh, to get out of it. And that's when I was like, damn, like it would be so nice if I could have had someone help me. But at the time, like Going to therapy, I mean, that was just out of the question. It was so expensive. I don't even think I had health insurance. I mean, I, I was probably on my parents' plan, but I don't think they were like, oh, yeah, like rolling in this really nice plan. So I was kind of on my own. And, 
you know, that was really a behind blush. It's like, can we make it affordable? Can we make it convenient? A lot of these girls, you know, have full-time jobs. They, they can't take an hour off during their day to go talk about their feelings. And, the, you know, even considering it to them sounds ludicrous. So having this forum where you're not, you know, spending your entire paycheck uh, to talk about what the hell's going on in your life. I mean, that sounds like a really good option to me. But yeah, it was totally born from personal experience, like by a mile. So let's chat about what your quarter life crisis looked like. So I'd like to kind of get down to the nitty gritty of it, because I think hearing about other people's experiences is really helpful in knowing that like, oh, you're not alone. So to give an example, like for me, I absolutely hated my job, like hated it, dreaded waking up in the morning, dreaded sitting there all day. To a point where I ultimately started my blog, which ended up being the best decision I ever made. But I know what it means to sort of get to that that place of almost like desperation. That was sort of how it felt for me. Is, is that something that you experienced or were you feeling a different set of emotions? I think just being able to kind of express what that felt like helps other people who are maybe going through something similar or trying to identify, am I just like kind of in a funk in my life? Or is this like a, a calling to me that I maybe need to go in a different direction? Right, right. Like, am I going to grow out of this? Or do I need to do something about it? Exactly. Absolutely. Um, so my, yeah, mine was different. And, uh, but the, your story is the most common one that I'm confronted with on a daily basis. It's, it's the, I hate my job. I, I, every day sucks. It's not getting better holy moly, what am I going to do? And it honestly, the emotion that pops out the most is, is fear. It's just like pure fear of, is this forever? Is this like, is this permanent? Is this what life is? And I mean, that is terrifying. Mine, on the other hand, wasn't necessarily that I hated my job. It's that I felt like a total failure before I basically, the, basically before the gates even opened, you know, like I couldn't find a job. Um, I probably applied, there's like a running joke. I think I applied for like 300 jobs or something like that. That's not even an exaggeration. And I finally found or heard back from one like last year. (laughs) I mean, you know what I mean? This was like 2010 and I actually got a call from someone like in 2016, like, Oh, are you still available? I was like, are you kidding me? But I, so I was, getting my master's in counseling uh, because I didn't go to law school. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And for some reason I was fighting this idea to get my master's in counseling because it just seemed too natural. Like it just seemed, I I don't know why, but it was like, I've always been someone who talked to people about their problems. So going to school for it, for some reason, didn't feel like a challenge to me. I needed to do something, you know, more tough, more intense. Um, And I, you know, it's interesting how I ended up there. So then I tried to get a job to accompany my master's program because it really was inherently part-time. Like, and I, I knew that going into it. So I was like, I'm going to be bored. No one would hire me, even though I had a college degree, nobody, nobody, nobody. So I got a job, uh, bartending at this neighborhood restaurant and it ended up being one of the better decisions of my life. But, you know, I had these people that I went to college with who were, you know, had their big girl jobs and had their, you know, banking jobs and whatever else. And they would come into the restaurant and I would serve them drinks. And this uncomfortable, awkward aura in the room whenever I would bring them their beer or, you know, margarita or whatever. And I just, 
I just felt like such a loser. Looking back, it's I just want to like shake myself and be like, you're doing just fine. Uh, and then, of course, after I graduated, uh, I took a job in private practice. She fired me like a month later because I just didn't have the funds to support myself when she was only giving me like two clients a week and I was having to pay her for supervision. Like, you do the math. It's not going to add up. So she was like, okay, you're not patient enough. Bye. So it's just like, oh my gosh. I mean, I just felt like I could not get anything right. And I was struggling to find the answer as to why my peers were sailing into adulthood and why I was just, I just remained stationary. And there were a few other things that happened that I really detail in my book. You know, I have to go into here because some of it's a little heavy, but you know, it was, it was hard. So instead of feeling like I had chosen the wrong path, I felt like I didn't have a path. Like there just wasn't one in front of me. I didn't know what to do, um, which I think posed to be a little bit tougher of a challenge, which is why it lasted for so long. Cause it's not like I was like, okay, I chose this path. Maybe if I get on that one, I'll be happier. It was like, where is my path? I can't see anything. It's dark in here. Get me out. That resonates with me. I, I think mine, like you said, was driven from a point of fear. It wasn't as though I was trying a bunch of things and it wasn't working out for me. I literally felt like I was stuck and yep. I didn't know which direction to go into. And the alternative, which was staying in the position that I was in, seemed like the best option, which only added to the fear of, oh my God, am I going to do this for the rest of my life? So definitely like two different perspectives. But I think something that like really connects both of them that you tapped into is this idea of seeing all your friends around you, you know, seeming like they kind of have it figured out. Like they've always known their whole life that this is what they want to do. And then they land that job and they do it and they love it. And it seems to really work out for them. And, you know, I'm sure with social media, this has only been perpetuated because we're all sharing our highlight reels and accomplishments with the whole world. And so not only are you exposed to like what's happening with your friends, you're seeing friends of friends and, and strangers, you know, seemingly succeeding at everything and you kind of feel like a failure. So I'm wondering, how do you tackle that issue? You know, say you have a client who comes in and they are telling this story, which sounds very common of like, either I feel stuck or I feel like a failure, but everybody else around me seems to be successful. Yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, that's, it, it's really, really tough. It really is. And when someone has gotten so down that path of, you know, hopelessness and fear and just complete pessimism, really, I think that the best thing to do is I remind them like, Hey, there's not a shortage of success. There's not a scarcity of, you know, happiness or of, any of these things that we want. So a lot of times I actually try and use these comparisons to help them figure out what it is that they want. And, you know, because it's at least there is something there. Like if they really don't know what they want to do and they're feeling so stuck and hopeless, but they're using these people as a weapon against themselves. Like, well, they've, they've got this and I don't. If you think about it, it's actually a great sign because it's like, okay, cool. You do want something. You are envious of something. So it's not that you are totally stuck. You know what you want to a certain degree. So let's figure it out. So we'll take, you know, those factors, those people, those social media accounts, whatever. Okay, what is it that you want in this, you know, fake life that you're looking at? What is it that you could do without? And then from there, we remember that 
just because that person has the house that you want in, you know, Houston, Texas, doesn't mean that you can't have a house just like that too. There are infinite amount of opportunities in this world. And when you try to assign ownership to them with people that, you know, you either are in your life or mutual friends, like it makes you feel like you have to hoard what you have and then you don't move and then you're stuck. And then, right. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so I actually try and use these people as inspiration because once you can actually decide, hey, I can have that too, then they're not as scary any as they're not as scary anymore, right? Like they lose their power. They totally lose it because you realize that you're capable of that too. And you can actually use them as a direction in which you would like to go. So that's typically my process when it comes to comparing. I mean, there's also the path of remembering, you know, that social media is a totally warped thing. It's not a documentary. It's a full-on art production. Understanding the differences between those two is really crucial to in order to have self-confidence at least at this day and age. So, you know, you can go you can go a few ways with it. I really do love the first option because that's normally my first clue into what somebody wants. Yeah, I think that that is it's really helpful to think of it that way because, you know, in an ideal world, we could all scroll through Instagram and be like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, someone's highlight reel. This isn't everything that's going on behind the scenes. But that's usually not our, like, immediate reaction. You know, I think a natural reaction is to be like, oh, I want that. And it would be great to be able to have that reaction and foster it in a positive way rather than, you know, if we could all look at pictures and be like, oh, wow, you know, I... I, I recognize that this is them sharing an exciting moment, but I'm sure they have a lot of crap happening behind the scenes. That would be great, but maybe not the most realistic for everyone who's using social media. So I really like the first perspective of just being like, okay, this is helping me kind of identify what it is that I want in life and, and helping people sort of figure that out. So I'd love to kind of um, expand on that conversation because someone in the tribe actually asked that question, which is like, how do you help someone identify their passion when you literally have no clue what it is that you, you know, quote unquote, should be doing with your life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually really love to follow the path of success comes from doubling down on your strengths, not from working on your weaknesses. And I think that a lot of girls out there think that they need to be everything to everyone and that if they're not organized, then, you know, not being organized is what's holding them back. Or if they're not good at numbers, then, you know, numbers are their big obstacle that they want to work on. And I think it's incredibly freeing when you just let go of your weaknesses and you say, they're going to be my weaknesses, whatever, they're a part of me. Why don't I find something where I don't have to worry about that? Like, why don't I find something that really plays to my strength? And so a lot of my work is actually revisiting a younger time in your life. What were you good at then? How did you spend your free time? Because the goal of finding your passion is for something to be autotelic, where you're not doing it because it's a means to an end. You're doing it because you simply enjoy it. Like a lot, like my really great counseling sessions. Uh, and I mean, honestly, really all of them because they're, they're honestly all pretty great. I'm looking at it because I'm scared I'm going to go over. 
you know, and I need to set boundaries for myself and for my girls to be like, okay, you know, our session is 60 minutes long. I can't go over that. Sometimes I do though, because I'm actually enjoying it. I want to hear their stories. I want to give feedback. I want to be that person that they come to. And I, I totally for even forget how much I'm making in that, you know, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever, because I just enjoy it. But I mean, my friends will tell you, I was that girl in college where there would be a line out of our door sometimes, girls having, you know, something on their mind, some dilemma that they're facing, and they wanted my input. And I mean, I can think of back as far as, I mean, maybe even middle school, where I would be the person that would listen to people's stories and give feedback. So to me, it's always been this natural thing, but like, I didn't even realize that counseling was something you could really do probably until around high school. And at that point, you know, you I had the the whole stereotypical, you go in and sit on a couch and someone writes notes and I was like, ew, that's not me, right? So I think a lot of girls, one, forget what it is that they enjoyed when they were younger. And two, once they remember what that was, there's so many schemas out there that we try and fit ourselves into. Like, for instance, me thinking it's, you know, I'd have to be a shrink that I just totally give up on the idea and then try and say, well, I need to be a teacher, a lawyer, a doctor, you know, an accountant, like something that has a name to it because that's just so much easier for us to process. I think the problem usually isn't finding someone's passion. Most of the time, I can get that out of them pretty quickly. It's okay. How do we turn this into a career? That is the tricky part. But with the internet now, I mean, I, I think anything can really turn into a career. Anything can make money now. Because uh, you can have a virtual office for a fraction of the cost. I mean, and you know what I'm talking about. So I really think those two things, though, of going back to a simpler time where you didn't have all these distractions, thinking about what you're good at not what you're not good at. Um, and then, of course, just bouncing off ideas with somebody as to what would this look like? Let's get outside of the box. Let's stop thinking in the schemas that we were taught when we were younger. Let's expand that. That's what you to do by yourself. I mean, it's, it's almost downright impossible. Like you need somebody to be prepping you and, and getting you to be thinking in a different way than you've been thinking almost your entire life. Yes, yes. I'm like nodding my head here because that totally resonates with me. I think I I had a really hard time kind of identifying what my strengths were because I was really stuck in what you said, like sort of these schemas of what we envision life to be. So I, you know, I thought you do well in school and then you become a lawyer or a doctor or like some very conventional role. And it totally did not occur to me to even like figure out what my strengths were because I could just like I could do well in school and I could probably get a, a well-paying you know very conventional job not that there's anything wrong with that I just was really really unhappy in the process and it mm -hmm. took me literally until 24 to figure out what my strengths were because I actually did not even attempt to cultivate them when I was younger and that's why for me my experience was more of like self-discovery rather than just, you know, oh, obviously these are my strengths. It was like, oh, whoa, these are my strengths. Like I had no idea I was creative because I had never even attempted to be creative. I just thought I was academic and I was good at school. But I, you know, 
I understood creative to be someone who could like paint, not someone mm-hmm. who could take pictures of food or write or, you know, all whatever the crazy stuff is that I'm working on these days because it it didn't even occur to me. So how do you help someone who, you know, has been so stuck in a certain mindset figure out what their strengths are when they might be strengths that they've never even tapped into before? Oh, yeah, that's fun. Actually, instead of uh, talking about a client for this one, well, one, confidentiality, but two, I've got a great uh, personal example, actually. So uh, my now fiance at the time, uh, just a plain old boyfriend, we were living in Texas. This had to be four years ago. And he was an attorney. And he got his dream job. I mean, he went to, you know, UT Law and then graduated and got the top job in Austin where everybody wants to live. And I mean, I think from the from the perspective of everyone around him, he was living the dream. And he hated it. I mean, he just hated it. He was so unhealthy. He loathed going into work. I mean, he loved the people that he worked with, but that wasn't enough to save him. So he was like, okay, I want, I want to move to LA and I, I want to be in the entertainment. Okay. And I think a lot of people listening could probably relate to that on some level. Like that's basically the same thing as saying, I want to be creative or I want to write, or I want to be outside. It's like, okay, <laughs> like we've got to be a little more specific than that. And I think that's when people get tripped up is having this very big general idea of what they want to do. That's maybe one word, like movies, right? That was Andrew's word, movies. Uh, okay, sweetheart, well, what you gonna do with the movies? <laughs> you know, that, that's not good enough. We got to figure this out. So I actually really encouraged him to try things out for size before he took the plunge. So he actually took acting classes. Um, he would go to these like Thursday night classes in Austin where you wouldn't think Austin would be, you know, a hub of actors, but they have acting classes everywhere. So we went and did that. Mm, after six classes, he's, he didn't want to go anymore. So I was like, okay, that's not it. Then we tried to write a screenplay together so I could help him, you know, get started. And every time I'd be like, do you want to write? He'd be like, no, not really. Like, okay, so it wasn't that. So, but what I always caught him doing was researching how a movie was made, how much they made it for, who was in charge of casting, how did they decide on a director, how did they, you know, all of the, basically the, the strategic elements, like the business elements of making a movie. But in his mind, entertainment equaled creativity. But what we realized after basically just looking at airtime, what does he talk about? What is he reading about? movies we realized "Eh, he's actually not very creative he's just really good at working with creative people ding 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 and that's when we're like okay good we can move to LA he got a job working at a talent agency which of course what do they do they work with talented people now he's working at a production company uh that you know really produces films they're in charge of they're basically like the I guess they're not the quarterback but they're like the the general manager right um of a film, if I were going to use a football reference. So it really worked out. But I mean, he was just so bogged down in what his big overwhelming concept actually meant in real life. And it was a process. I mean, this took about a year, maybe even a year and a half to really get to the heart of it. So it's not going to happen overnight. But my biggest advice is just go out there and try things. Like, I think we're so afraid of being, of not being perfect and of failing 
that we just tend to stay in our heads and try and figure it out in our heads before actually acting. And this is the time, you know, no, no, no pun intended just before acting, right? When took acting classes, dear Lord. But we actually have to get out there and do something and try it out because that's really the only way you're going to know if you like it or not. Um, and it'll lead you somewhere that where you probably never thought that you could end up, right? Like he thought he was going to be creative. Turns out, nope, that wasn't what he was meant to do. But he would have never known that if he didn't sign up. It's so true. This is what I tell people all the time when they're like, how did you, you know, figure out that you wanted to blog? And it's like, I didn't figure out that I wanted to blog. I tried a lot of things that I hated until I landed on something that I really, really loved. And I think, like you said, like people are so afraid to fail. And and I get that, you know, we all come in with, with a lot of pressure and commitments and responsibilities. So, you know, it's hard to find the time and the resources to be able to fail at things. So I, I so get that. And that kind of ties it back to a question that someone asked in the tribe, which is, you know, how do you cultivate a side hustle, which is sort of this like concept that I feel like, like she mentioned is it's very millennial. I feel like everyone these days kind of has a side hustle and that's a great thing. I think we feel so much pressure to turn our passion into a full-time job and we're trying so hard to land that thing that's going to become our full-time job. But how do you cultivate a side hustle or or something on the side because maybe you aren't in a position where you can just like up and quit your job and try a bunch of things and see which one sticks. Right, right. I mean, I define side hustle as a hobby that makes money. And so I think one, putting this pressure on a side hustle from the get-go is a mistake. Uh, the better thing to do would be just to do something because again, like autotelic, something that you just enjoy. Something that just like brings you happiness. You know, maybe it's when you get home and you need to unwind. I don't know, start knitting blankets. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden you have these amazing blankets and then you start selling them. Right. And it just kind of unfolds. Like I actually have a client who's incredibly artistic and she um, makes these amazing like wine glasses. She like sketches uh, like funny, really hilarious things. I mean, she is so, she's very punny, but she's also very funny. <laughs> They're just like hilarious and they make for great gifts. Uh, and then she started making these like cutting boards and then she started doing this. And then it dawned on us like, why aren't you selling these? You know, like this is your hobby. This is just what you do to unwind, to like get out of your head and to, to balance yourself out. But because the product is is just so connected to her relaxation and to her enjoyment, it shows, like it totally shows in what she's creating. And that is really the key, I think, to these side hustles. I think it's the pressure that we put on these, you know, baby businesses to be something huge or to just be something at all that really gets in our way. Um, and I mean, even the term side hustle comes just with all of these expectations and connotations of, oh, you know, it's a side hustle, turn full time, woo. But if you just let it be what it is, which is a hobby that has the potential to make you some money, you're going to enjoy it so much more, so much more. And I think the process will be so much more organic and natural and comfortable for you because that's point of all of this to enjoy your life totally but the one thing that I feel like we haven't necessarily covered because we've really focused a lot on career and I think that makes sense you know we spend a lot of time in our jobs it tends to be the most common 
you know, issue that you sort of have to work through in your 20s is sort of figuring out what it is that you want to do with your life. But what about someone who maybe has their career figured out, but is struggling in relationships or just in in other areas of their life? They, they feel like they just can't, they feel like they're behind or like they haven't caught up with other people. They might have their career portion figured out, but like they can't find a partner or, you know, they can't find a good group of friends or they are living in the wrong city. Like all of these like sort of other life questions. How do you help someone who feels like they have their job figured out, but everything else just like isn't right? Uh, that actually pretty much all boils down to developing a level of comfort with vulnerability and, and finding your authentic self, like really getting comfortable with who you are, what you want and being able to communicate that to other people, like really finding your voice. If you could do those two things, then the rest is naturally going to fall into place, right? Because everything else, I mean, everything in your life is connected. And for people who compartmentalize, it's such a big mistake because one will naturally seep over into the other. Majority of our work does focus on learning how to make a total fool of yourself and not cringing at it, which is basically vulnerability, right? Learning how to put yourself out there, learning how to try these things to figure out what you know you want in life, which of course circles back to career, but also is a huge component in romantic relationships. Try to be someone else to get people to like us. And then we attract people who are all wrong for us because we're scared to show who we really are. Whether that's, you know, we, we live in a city that doesn't quite speak to us. Our friends don't really get us. Our romantic relationships either don't. It really all boils back to those two things. Which, to be fair, is where we spend the majority of our time on blush. I mean, obviously, we pitch these topics because that's what people are going to relate to. If we just said, hey, learn how to be more vulnerable, people would be like, <laughs> no thanks. But if we say, hey, learn how to find a career that you love or learn how to find the romantic relationship that's right for you, then it gets people in the door and then, you know, we Trojan horse them because it really does come from those two places. And I mean, and my coaches are email me like all the time too, saying this, that, oh my God, this works. This is crazy. In the past month, she has gotten a boyfriend that she loves. She just got promoted at work and she's obsessed with it. She has a new group of friends that she really relates to. And on top of that, she finally moved into the apartment that she's been, you know, eyeing for forever. And it's like, all of a sudden, these things all come into place, but they don't happen within a month because you can't find out who you are within a month. It doesn't work like that. So it's just this process of really getting to know yourself and not apologizing for it anymore. Like just embrace that. Yeah, you're a little weird and you're a little high maintenance, but if you can own these things and show them to other people without running away, I mean, that is going to be how you figure out what it is that you want in life. And that's how you're going to attract it. Yeah, I really liked what you said about having, you know, really cultivating both vulnerability and being your authentic self and having a lot of patience with how that unfolds because it takes a really long time. I've actually, you know, I've told this story on the podcast before, but I was at a yoga retreat and I think I told it on the podcast before. I actually don't know, but I was at a yoga retreat and and it was an amazing opportunity for everyone to to kind of share, you know, really intimate personal things with 
with strangers, which funny enough, it's way easier to share like who you are with a stranger than it is with the people in your life because you Mm -hmm. feel like there's not nearly as much judgment. But, you know, it, it was very like profound for a lot of people. They found like a lot of, it was very cathartic and I think people experienced a lot of growth through it. And I, you know, of course experienced something similar, but I also have gotten to a place in my life where I'm so overwhelmingly vulnerable all the time. I share my life on the internet. So it's sort of like, oh yeah, that problem, I talked about it on Instagram last week. So I am like, you know, I'm so comfortable with being vulnerable and being who I am, but it took a really, really long time. Granted, I threw myself like in with the sharks. Like I was like, I'm gonna share my life publicly online with a bunch of strangers, but it ended up being the best decision I ever made. But it was not something that happened overnight. It, you know, I'm almost five years into this and I only now can I say that I feel like I am like 100% vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that felt, again, it felt authentic for you. Yeah. Like it probably feels so natural for you to just put it all out there and not have any secrets that you're harboring and just to be an open book. You don't have to mimic what it is that you see because if you don't have those two things congruently in a harmony, then it's not going to work. Like you can't fake any of this. And so I love that for you, putting it all out there without holding anything back was the key. It's like, okay, this is what makes sense for me. And then ta-da, along with it came a business and a career and all these wonderful things that just align together. And that's why I really think those two things harmony is what's going to be the ticket. Yeah, totally. I think, you know, for me, that was a level of comfort that took a really long time to cultivate, but that's probably not everybody's level of comfort. So I like that you tapped into that, that like being vulnerable doesn't mean like shouting to the rooftops, everything that you are all the time. Cause that's maybe not, you know, you think about those people on Facebook who have like a status every single day complaining about God only knows what. And it's like, okay, <laughs> this this might be their level of comfort, but everyone is sort of like, maybe we should like dial it back like a little bit. So <laughs> yeah, and you have to think about like what that's getting you. So I do want to have a quick conversation about life coaches because I feel like, you know, in the last couple of years, life coaching has become increasingly popular. A lot of people have life coaches, but it's really hard to find, you know, a life coach who actually can help you. So I'd love if you could kind of give people some tips. Obviously, you are an incredible resource for people who are looking for a life coach, but for whatever reason, if someone is sort of looking for something specific or, you know, is just sort of on the search for someone who can really help them hone in on, on their strengths and help them through their quarter life crisis or whatever it is that they're going through, what are some traits that someone should look for in a life coach? Sure. Um, so, I mean, in terms of life coaching, it really is the wild, wild west, big time. Uh, you just never really know what you're going to get. And so I, I've really come to get more uh, comfortable with the term, but at first I really didn't like it because it just signified someone really is selling snake oil, which is terrible to say, but it's true. There are so many life coaches out there who just don't know what they're doing. And I applaud them for going after their passions, but I also get really frustrated with people who are negligent. So, my biggest piece of advice would be to, to look at their education, look at their experience. Um, if 
most life coaches have a cert, like a certification from somewhere. Uh, I really don't know about any certifications. I'm assuming they great. They really do cover the bases that you need to know. Uh, some of them probably don't. Because the thing about it, too, is there's a lot of businesses out there who dupe life coaches, who, who charge you know $20,000 for these life coaches to get certified. And it's a scam. They're not really teaching them anything. And then these poor life coaches are in debt. It's just like a, it's a big mess. Um, so definitely check out their level of education. Second of all, I mean, some people just have it from the get-go. Some people, I, I swear, don't need a ton of education because they've been doing it their whole lives and they're just going to be good at it. So the other thing would just be to reach out to them um, to see if you guys can do like a trial. Like Blush doesn't offer a free session because our prices are pretty reasonable to begin with. So at least see if you can get one of them on the phone. Uh, and then, yeah, lastly, I mean, I would look at the population that they tout. Like just say, hey, who do you tend to work with? You know, like Blush, like I said, works with our average age is about 27, uh, which is actually a little older than you, you'd think it is. We're going through a rebrand to more let people know like, hey, you know, we, we do work with professional women. It's it's not 16-year-olds <laughs> because it, it's funny. When Blush started, we actually had a much younger uh base population. And then I think our clients just got older and started telling their friends. And anyway, we're, we're in that 27 mark. But I, I mean, I would say that because I, I agree, it's, it's really tough to sort out who can help you and who's really just running a business, but doesn't really know what they're doing. So, you know, on Blush, we all have our master's in counseling. That's something that's really important to me. I need to know that my coaches know what they're doing. And that's the level of education I have. And so I trust it. I, I know that I learned so much in those two and a half years that I think that, you know, anyone out there who's been through a master's in counseling program, like they know their stuff. There's just no way around it. There's, there was no way that you could have coasted through that program. Uh, so that's important to me. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think there's a lot of amazing gems out there that, I, I mean, I think life coaches are capable of really just changing somebody's life forever. It's just a matter of finding someone who knows what they're doing and someone who is a good fit for you. But if you do that, then I think you could be set. Awesome. Thank you so much for answering that question. I know that's a hard thing to tap into. I feel like people ask me like, you know, about different bloggers and it's hard because you don't want to throw anybody under the bus. That's not your goal. And you're so proud of the career that you get to be a part of, but there's always going to be the people who are just like in it for the wrong reasons or just mm -hmm. simply aren't being helpful to other people. And it can be really frustrating. So I feel like you, you answered that question really well. And I think will be really helpful for people who are seeking that sort of support. So thank you for that. Oh, well, thank you. Yay. So my last set of questions, these are the hot seat questions. I ask them to every guest who comes on the show and we're just going to, we're going to blow through these. And okay. my first question is, what's the one health habit you can't live without? Uh, going on walks. I go on walks all the time. I've, it clears my head. It's my source of exercise. It's hilarious. I used to be so intense about working out. Like, I mean, I live in LA. I went to these like really like fitness trainers would attend these classes. And I'd be like, what am I doing here? And I was like, so into it, blah, blah, blah. And then I realized that my body was like swollen and I had gained a bunch of weight and I didn't feel good. It was like the exact opposite effect of what I wanted. So I stopped going and started going on these like four mile long walks. And I feel like my old self. So just one other, you know, 
life story about how you've got to find out what's right for you. You can't be copying these methods that everyone else uses because it might be the exact wrong thing that you need. Amen, sister. I'm I'm a big time walker. I'm all about, you know, I also have friends who are really into high intensity exercise and they love it and their body loves it and more power to them. My body does not love it. And that yeah. is totally okay. Yeah, my body was like, why are you doing this to me? Like, what did I ever do to you? Exactly, exactly. I finally listened. It was like, all right, girl, I'll I'll lay off. And then it was like, ooh, I like this. Let's go on more walks. Exactly. Um, So the next question is, is there a business or a business person who you look up to? Mm, Yes, I would say there are, it's interesting. There are a lot of them that are friends. So I'm in this like mastermind and I love, I mean, I love my, my two business buddies. I call them, they're the best. One owns a, a digital like marketing agency and like website thing. And then um, the other one is this amazing PR guru. So I really look up to people who are my peers in terms of looking up to other businesses. It's weird, but I, I found that sometimes I get fixated on things and I can start, like I know myself and I will start to accidentally mimic or adopt their goals and their vision. And so I've actually found that like being more internal and focusing more on what I'm doing and what feels right to me is actually a better fit. So I actually try not to get too into focusing too much on other businesses. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I I think that there's a lot of power to sort of focusing on your own journey and while you can pull things from other people and be inspired by them, sometimes it's best to just like put those blinders on and focus on what you're working on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is an interesting question for you, but what advice would you have for your 20-year-old self? You're weird and that's okay. Like it's, a, like it's totally fine that you don't fit in. It, it's going to pay off later. <laughs> I, I so get that. You know what I've realized is how many people – have the realization that they are weird and they didn't realize that everybody else is weird too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because, I mean, like the – where I was when I was 20 was, you know, I was in Texas. I was definitely in this very intense culture and, I, you know, I was trying it on for size but I knew deep down that it didn't really fit and I was so hyper-concerned that it didn't fit and wasn't understanding why – when it really did seem to fit for everyone else. And it's really funny because the older I get, the more I'm reconnecting with certain people who are like, yeah, it didn't really fit for me either. (laughs) And it's so funny because I knew at the time that they were probably going through the same thing I was, but no one wanted to say it. Yeah. Yeah. If only we could all just let our freak flags fly, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So the last question for you is, what advice do you hope to get from your 50-year-old self? What do you hope to have, like, learned as you get older? Mm, I would probably say learning to be more present and in the moment. I tend to be a very future-focused person. And um, what, God, what is that amazing quote where it's like, if you're thinking about the future, then you're anxious. Oh God, now I can't remember it. But I, I, that is me. It is me. I am it. We are all together because I, I've always been a future thinker. I've always been, my mind's always been in the future. And I think while that has very much benefited me, I think that I can 
tune it down now. Like I can take it down a few notches and, and I really need to, because I think being present has such just like fabulous benefits. And so I really hope that I get better at that as I go along. And I hope my 50 year old self is looking back at me right now and being like, have some fun. Yeah. I feel the same way. So I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on the show today and for re-recording this again. I remember our last conversation was really great, but this one might have topped it. It was so, so good. I feel like I learned so much and that this is going to be helpful to a lot of people who are going through kind of a a weird phase in their life and maybe need some advice for how to move forward through it. So thank you so much for your time and for coming on the show. If you want to just give people a little bit more information about how they can get in touch with you or find out more about Blush, that would be awesome. Oh, yeah. So um, our website is joinblush.com. If you want to email me, I'm Callie, K-A-L-I, at joinblush.com. So you can email me with any questions. You can find us on Instagram or Twitter at at joinblush. Uh, And then if you want to, I don't know, learn more about my philosophy on life, what advice I give people. I did write a book called Conquering Your Quarter Life Crisis, How to Get Your Shit Together in Your 20s. And you can find that on Amazon or Thought Catalog. Actually has like its own PDF too. So all of those things um, are available to you. And yeah, if you have any more questions, just stop by and say hi to me. Awesome. Well, you guys should definitely check out Callie and Blush. Their whole team is amazing, and yeah, I'm really excited to have you on the show today, and I hope the listeners learned a ton. Huge thank you to Callie for coming on the show today. If you are experiencing a quarter-life crisis, I hope this advice was helpful for you, and maybe it means turning to a life coach or a therapist or talking to a friend or just seeking help and knowing that you're not alone on this journey because we're all going through transitions, and sometimes what we need is somebody just holding our hand as we make it to the other side because it can be really scary trying to figure it all out, especially when you're trying to do it on your own. So know that you're not alone. And if you've been through one, then I hope that this episode helped you realize how far you've come and that sometimes we got to go through the muck to come out better on the other side. So I'm so grateful Callie came on the show again so we could re-record because I just thought this episode was really, really helpful. And if you're currently going through some stuff, don't forget to join the THM tribe. Would love to see you there. We're just a really great supportive community. I feel so lucky to have you guys and would love to just hang out with you there. I'm there probably too much. So if you want to find a direct way to chat with me, that's a really great place to do it. It's just facebook.com slash group slash THM tribe. And for some reason, a lot of you guys have no idea that The Healthy Maven is actually a blog. Some of you guys just found the podcast, which is so cool. But I actually started out as a blogger five years ago. And it's a place where I chronicle a lot of the things that I'm struggling with and sort of what I've learned from this delicious recipes and just resources to kind of help you on this never-ending journey we call life. So if you want some more resources, you can always check out The Healthy Maven. It's just thehealthymaven.com and The Healthy Maven on all social media. So thank you to the person who let me know that she had no idea that I was a blogger and that I should maybe add a little message into these shows reminding people that there's a lot more to The Healthy Maven than just That's So Maven. So Just my little add-in at the end here. And coming up next week on the show, it is Lauren Gierstin. I think it's Gierstin or Gierstin. I struggle with this. 
this. I struggled with it in the episode. I'm not totally positive, but she is incredible. We talk about what it means to be an empath, what the archetype of the healing journey looks like. And if those things are like totally out there for you, you have no clue what I'm talking about, all the more reason to tune in because I think it's really, really fascinating. Lots of information I had never heard of before. So I think you'll really like this one. So make sure you tune in next week for another episode. Until then, have a wonderful week. Bye, guys. Thank you.